When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good morning, traders and investors. Are you guys ready for a number one pre-market prep show? I'm ready to get into another one here. We got, of course, the bloodbath in growth the last six days, market falling from the recent rally. All 11 sectors closing lower yesterday. What will happen today? Uh, U.S. issuing warnings about increased Russian strikes on Ukraine. Ex-Twitter whistleblower we'll talk about that and then we'll get into our earning stocks we got zoom palo alto jd macy's dicks um, we got some other ones that we might get to and the house of dragon on sunday night the best uh debut for a series on the network's history we'll see if that can turn around the things at warner brother of course discovery and they also got a buy from Citigroup. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll take a look also at our special guest, Sean Emery, joining us, CIO of Avery & Company. Let's dive into today's pre-market prep. Smash the like button and let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders. Let's go ahead. Let's bring on Dennis Dick with Joel O'Connor. Yeah, look, I brought Joel on the show. He's away this week, so we brought hey, him on the show. That's a there volatile a puppy, isn't it? Here, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Joel O'Connor's on the show. Oh, definitely. Smash the thumbs on up, guys. If you guys are excited to start the day, let's talk about the action that was overnight. And you guys know I don't really carry too much the futures, but we could take a look at the spy and it'll kind of tell us the same story. Uh, just kind of going sideways here a little bit in the in the futures action. What did you see uh, during the close yesterday, uh, Dennis? Did you see anything that stood out to you? Um just overall action, obviously, still market weakness here. Um, closing fairly near the lows, like it wasn't a strong close either. Overnight, we get a little bit of bounce, but I still think there's follow-through potentially here today too, so I'd probably be a seller of the bounce. I mean, you can look at some stocks and say, wow, this has been a pretty impressive six- or seven-day sell-off here, Mitch. I mean, we talked about Square. 92 to 73 in seven trading sessions. ARKK down again yesterday, topped out 53.86 back August 11th. Here we are, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven days later, 43.61 the close. So that's just quietly given back over 20% in better in the better part of a week. So we knew we were overbought. We knew we were due for a correction. Your RSI st statistics told us that uh but my feel told us that too i was yeah. a few days early but it came and it's not pretty yeah and another thing to notice is that it came without the news of china right i mean it didn't really come with the news of china so that's the i think the concern moving forward as we keep going further down closer towards those lows will we get a real negative catalyst to hit the tape 
that's something to keep an eye out. Friday, we also got, of course, uh, talk from Ch uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell. Everyone eyes on this, uh, expecting to hear some hawkishness um, in that speech, but we'll see what happens there. Now, one thing I definitely want to point to is crude oil trying to come back. I'm using a different site yeah. here to kind of show us a little bit of the futures here on crude oil. You're seeing it up there, trying to get back there towards the 95s and the 100. I did hear mentions yesterday from Saudi Arabia that they were cutting production. Um, what did you think about that? Um, it looks like Biden was over there for a while trying to get increased production. And it looks like they're cutting production here. And I think a lot of that is trying to get that oil to spike back above the 100. Yeah, well, crude's pulled back. It's had a significant pullback here. And it's probably a pullback maybe to be bought in the short term. I mean, there's still obviously a lot of issues out there. This is a tough market. I mean, we, we've talked about demand destruction. We haven't really seen too much of it going across the board from the earnings yet. Obviously, some sectors have been hit a little bit here, but it's still early. I just keep coming up with the same thing. It's like, why do I want to invest right now? And, you know, maybe Cameron Dawson said it best on CNBC yesterday. She just said after the close there, this market is still expensive. And I'm like, it really is. On a historical basis, you start looking at this market. It's trading 19 to 20 times earnings. A lot of these earnings were peak earnings, you know, to, um, you know, even looking at, you know, the cyclicals, you know, a lot of these earnings were at the top of the cycle here and you're still fighting the Fed. So it, it, it just feels like such a gift, this rally. I mean, everybody wanted a rally. We were oversold. We got a rally. And now everybody's like, oh, yeah, good times are back. And, you know, we're going back to all time highs. And like what I've been saying, I just don't think that's happening. So I know this sounds like a broken record here. But, you know, I repeat myself when I'm right. And I'm going to be right. I was right here. I was four or five days early. But I just feel like there's no reason to go all in on this market. So that's why I've raised up all my cash again. I'm basically where I was, you know, six months ago, seven months ago. We enjoyed a really nice move. My account, my long-term account came back significantly over the course of the last couple of months um, to the tune of getting back like two-thirds of its, you know, and this is my long-term investing account. But, you know, it's approaching going green on the year. I mean, that's a hell of a rally. So I don't, yeah. I, I think it's still red, my long-term account, not my trading account. I give my trading stats. My trading account does really well. But, you know, long-term, long-only investing account, I think a lot of other people's accounts were really coming back nicely there. Uh, you know, a week and a half ago. And it's just like in this market environment, I just think I just think there's so many. I just think it's just prudent to raise cash. I'm just going to go back to that again. I think it's prudent to raise cash. Definitely prudent to raise cash. Another area to kind of keep on watch is the downfall in growth, right? I mean, it's been a destruction there. And I mean, we could take a look at it by maybe showing ARKK and you could see it straight down now. Um, the question is, moving forward, will growth catch the bid, right? Will there be buy the dippers to step on up? Um, now we're getting kind of close towards, you know, 50% retracement levels. You're starting to get back down. And, I wonder and, if the buy the dippers start stepping up. And, and I think they do. I don't think we're going to go straight down here. So, again, everybody starts CNBC always behind. Every analyst mm -hmm. that comes on there, they're all idiots. To be honest, you know, there, there's a few smart people on CNBC sessions. They're all idiots. The majority of, of people who come on CNBC don't know what they're talking about. And they're late to the party. And just as much as they were all, you know, talking, you know, recession back in June and, you know, throwing in the towel. And then they were all buying a week and a half ago. Now they're all, you know, starting to go the other way and they're starting to get spooked again. Oh, I don't know. We're going back to lows. <laughs> I mean, they just chase price. People yep. don't know you know, what they're talking about. And so it's easy to just come on here, go on the air and basically just look at price and just go with it. And you got to think big picture. And there is some excellent analysts that think big picture, but there's a lot of idiots too. So I think the biggest thing just is think about the whole situation that the whole entire world is in right now. And you think, is this an all-time high market? It just doesn't add up. So, again, if you were buying stocks last week, you were banking on all-time highs because we already got half the losses back. So, you know, if you think it's continuing, you think we're going to hit that V bottom, you're buying last week. Well, you're right now being proven wrong. Now, again, are we going back to the lows? I don't think so. I don't think we're ARKK is going back to take out the 35. It could. They're not saying it can't. 
But now it's like pulled back 20% here in a week and a half. And now I'm selling? I mean, again, you're doing it backwards. You should have been selling a week and a half ago and now bringing in your shorts or bringing in or rebuying maybe the stocks that you sold. But with that being said, I don't want to be all in on this market. I don't want to be like, okay, yeah, this is a dip. Let's buy, buy, buy. Because we're just not in Kansas anymore. We're in a different market environment. We're going to get the Fed's talk. I don't think they're going to be that hawkish. It wouldn't surprise me even, you know, on Friday when we hear from Powell if he, you know, tries to calm the markets to a certain extent. But we're still in an inflationary environment where inflation's serious. UK is proving that. Europe stocks down here again today, despite our slight market rally. If you're lucky, you know, at the EFA, it's trading in the red slightly. And I just think that China's a whole wild card for everything. So in that add all that up i want to have some cash i can't disagree with that and having cash if we take a look you know all 11 sectors ended lower yesterday i just want to take an outlook of some of kind of the bigger markets there it's the s p 500 is still 14 percent off its 52 week high the nasdaq is 23 percent, a little bit higher than 23 percent off its 52 week high and so that shows us still I would still be more concerned on kind of these tech names. They're still getting hit hard. Of course, this is the outlook, I think, of interest rates continuing to be uh, kind of raising here. And I think one of the things that is interesting is now that we're getting this kind of re-rise in oil, re-rise in natural gas, did inflation truly peak? This has been my concern since the first time that we started peaking on the CPI reading Will we get another spike in inflation? That's what I'm concerned about because that would really start getting the Fed in more of a hawkish tune. Oh, man. Because Mitch, Mitch, if you get another spike in inflation, if we start ticking higher again, Katie bar the door, this market's imploding. I mean, that can't happen. So I think you've got to continue to see. So for the bull thesis to play out here, you absolutely had to top 10. You cannot start seeing us going back up into the nines or something like that. Mm-hmm. That would be an epic disaster. I'm not even thinking that. You know, throw I, that into the scenario and we are hitting the new lows. I mean, that's I what think, I'm thinking about. I that's think, what I've I, been thinking about. So. Well, that, that's a scary thought. I, I think we have top ticked. But I don't think and think it's good enough here. So I'm still of the opinion that okay. even though we top tech, and and I think we're still in an environment where it's not coming back down anytime soon. So you just add all that up. It's just too much. You add up all the risk here. And that's all we are as traders, not as investors. We're not talking to long-term investors, but as traders here, right? You're long-term investing. You're buying SPY for the next 35 years. You're probably making money. You're buying SPY for the next 25 years. You're probably making money. But if buy and spy for the next six months, I don't know if you're making money here. So just talking to the traders, it's, you know, it's just, you've got to just analyze the whole situation. You've got to be prudent and you've got to, you know, now I've went on a complete tangent. I don't remember where you started, but, you know, you've got to look inflation. at, you know, that inflation, if it's, you know, starts, if it's, if it's coming in, yeah. that that's good news. But I don't think we're, you know, going to come straight in just because they raise rates. I don't think inflation is going back down six, five, four. So that means the Fed has to stay, you know, at least with this tightening bias for the foreseeable future, because prices are not just coming back down to where they were. And to your point, gas really helped that, you know, July number. Gas was coming down, deflationary. Everything else was not helping. Stuff was not helpful. Food was not helpful. You know, I go in there, I see the loaf of bread, new low price. And, you know, and the loaf of bread's $3.49 for a bloody loaf of bread in Canada right now. It was $2.50. Two dollars sometimes, two two fifty. I'm seeing three fifty now. It's up like literally a loaf of bread is up thirty percent year over year. That the average loaf of bread. Yeah. So this is tough. And, and and just to point towards where we got those numbers, right? Where we got those numbers were a lot when we were down here on July on the first couple of weeks of July, right? Now in August, we're starting to make our way back. And I think this is the concern for me is if oil just starts getting rampant, if more situations or you're hearing cut of production and the prices go back to let's say $120 a barrel, $150 a barrel, what will happen to inflation then? That's really my concern going into winter. There's just absolutely it just doesn't seem prudent to be coming I mean, in here and saying we're gas, going back. We're not in business highs, as usual. Right? New this, highs for natural gas. This Fed 
has been accommodating. This is what people who just started the markets in the last 10 years don't know any different. They only know an accommodating Fed. They don't know what it's like to have, you know, the Fed all of a sudden working against you. Really, you can go back 20 years for crying out loud. They try to get a little bit more tight and they try to get a little bit stronger in like 2005, 2006. And then the bloody housing uh, crisis happened and they had to really get accommodating. And they've been accommodating pretty much ever since. So now you've got a completely different animal. You don't have the Fed, but you have the opposite. You've got the Fed actually trying to drive down asset prices. They're you know, actively trying to cause a recession, which they have to do to get the prices back in. So, I mean, this whole entire last decade of this bull, bull, rah, rah, go, go has been fueled by a Fed punch bowl that has been now taken away. So I just can't see coming in here and paying 20 times earnings. Would I pay 14 times earnings? Probably. But I'm not coming in here and paying 20 times earnings or 26 times earnings for Apple. I've had Apple in my portfolio for the better part of a decade. I hedged the whole thing out. I'm probably going to get rid of it. So, I mean, this is, you know, just going back to, like, why? Why should Apple be trading 26 times earnings in an environment where unless you think inflation is going to magically come back in, just going to go away, nobody's going to take, everybody's going to take pay decreases. You know, we're all going to go back. China's going to make all our products. It's all going to be good. We don't, back to business as usual. Maybe, but I'm not betting with that. Yeah, I don't think it can go away that quickly unless for some reason the situation in Russia kind of goes down. But what do we get today? We got even more issuing of warnings. Um, I know that we haven't been talking too much about the Russian and Ukraine situation, uh, but the U.S. issuing increased Russian strikes on Ukraine during the week ahead of its Independence Day on August 24th. So that's tomorrow. So just kind of keep that in your mindset. Um, it feels to me that the market hasn't been paying attention too much what's going on with Russia and Ukraine lately. But of course, something can always spike there. Um, so just keep it on watch. But let's go towards the Again, whistleblower. Again, I just want to say, like people are like, oh yeah, bearish. I mean, we just sold off substantially here. So you need a spike now. I mean, you know, you were it was prudent to sell stocks a week and a half ago. Now it's like, okay, well, we've come back in. You know, we start talking about ARKK as a 50% retrace. We're not coming in here and selling all these names now. Oh, yeah, like, I got to get out of that block. I mean, where were you at 90? I sold my square at 91. I said it on the show. I said it multiple times after I sold it. It hung out there. It went even higher after that. It went to like 93 or 94. It hung out for a couple days up there. Gifts, 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 gifts. Nobody takes the gift. Well, now you're left at 73. So, I mean, now you're coming in and selling it now. Well, you just gave up the majority of the profits here. So, I think... I think just too many people do it backwards. You know, it's like just the analysts are the same thing. They're the it's, same thing. The chase and price everywhere. Kramer's the same thing. He's literally, you can always tell if he's going to be bullish or bearish. Just when they mention the stock before he talks it, you know if it's going to be bullish or bearish. Because if the stock's up, he's like, oh, this was a great report. Yeah, I would buy, <laughs> buy, buy. If it's a crappy report, he's like, oh, I'd sell. This is, you know, this is no, no good, you know? Like, it's just looking at price to give his analysis. Well, I'll say to that thinking. Is... Some people like to be optimist. Some people like to be realist. I like to be realist here and paying attention to what the price action is actually telling us versus uh, trying to make calls if it's the bottom or the top, right? I'd, I try my best not to do those. Only when I see extreme situations, I think that you can maybe do that. But of course, when you got up so high on the spy where we got up to those levels, there comes a point in time where the risk to reward doesn't make sense for the upside. It, it, and I think that's exactly where we got to. The extension was so far yeah. that it didn't make sense to keep playing towards the upside because exactly. what else were you going to get? Maybe one, two, three percent going up. But the downfall, and you guys see it in just two, three days, was a pullback here on the SPY about four percent. And and that's what we wanted to avoid. Going for a two percent gain for a four percent loss doesn't add up in the probability mindset. But now we got to watch what happens today. I think that you could get some buy the dippers to start stepping in as you're getting stocks like NVIDIA starting to set up. Let's yeah, go towards- I, I think if you're coming in here and getting bearish now, I think you're a week and a half late. So yep. I'm kind of looking. I was like, well, I could rebuy my square. And it gets down to 62, 63. I will rebuy it. 
Do I want to jump at 73? I don't know. But, you know, I just sold it. I'm scalping 20 points. I just sold it at well, 18 points. I just sold it at 91. I'm like, I could sell this at 73. And that would be, you know, scalp myself 18 points off a company that, you know, I do like long term. Yeah. So, but there's so many, you know, unknowns here in this market. It's it's not a market to just go rah, rah, back to all-time highs. It's interesting to watch. We'll see what happens with these growth stocks today. Let's go towards here the whistleblower in Twitter. Um this report coming from an exclusive from CN, CNN and the Washington Post, uh, a executive from Twitter blowing the whistle, alleging recklessness and negligence on cybersecurity policies. Twitter has a major security policy uh, problem that poses a threat to its own users, personal information, to company shareholders, to national security, to democracy, and according to an explosive whistleblower, disclosed and this was by cnn and washington post um so looks like uh elon making some good calls good news yeah <laughs> i thought that too last <laughs> call i got any little people who can help me out here a little uh, bit i know, thought that you want to be my friend we don't want to start know? we don't want to start you know just saying and you know starting rumors here on pre-markets prep but I was like, oh, is this a buddy of Elon Musk or something? <laughs> I think everybody probably thought it. We'll say it. <laughs> um, anyway, stock's down here. I personally think he's going to have to buy this company. I don't know if it's going to be a 5420 or if they're going to settle before that. Um, but, you know, to uh, in the event and... Um, in the event that you know he gets to walk away from this, the stock is like tanking 15 bucks. So, you know, it's upside 13 from here, downside 15 to 18. I do think that he's gonna have to buy this company. I do think it's going higher, but you know, stuff happens here. It's kind of even risk reward there, I would say. Like I said, you know, 5420, 13 points higher from where it is right now. As it gets up to 4445, it's more of a sell because you want to sit around for the last eight, nine bucks when you got 20 points downside. You know, I think if the deal was just to end and they got out of it and you just paid a fine or something, I think Twitter's 25 bucks. I think that's where it goes to. So you got 13 up, 16 down. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. When, you know, it's in the middle of nowhere, risk rewards even. I'm not that interested. Yeah, this seems to me like uh, taking, I don't know, like a binary bet, right? I mean, just it's totally a binary bet, 100%. Yeah, binary and then... bet. For me, that this th- doesn't play out for me. I think there's better opportunities out there. Of course, this will be something that's watched by a lot of traders. But do is there a big opportunity here? I don't really think there's a big opportunity. I think if you're a long-term Twitter investor, of course, you're watching this, right? Because this is definitely going to change up the, the history of Twitter. Will they have Elon on their team or will they not? It's going to be a big change there. You, you we'll want Elon happens. on your team. Yeah, Great you want him. I mean, he but, hasn't he hasn't lost before. Let me just say that much, at least in my eyes. He hasn't lost. Yeah, either way, you're cheering. You, you want Elon on your team. But again, you know, if he buys a company and goes private, you're not it's like you're getting that upside afterwards unless he brings the stock back, which I think he probably would, actually, because he didn't really want it anyways. So if he does buy it, he ends up probably bringing it back public anyways. Um, th- this saga is going to go on for a while here yet. You know, obviously, you know, whistleblowers, new information. Is there too many bots? Sure, there's probably too many bots, but is he getting out of the deal on that? I don't think so. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have to buy his company. You know, one thing that I think is uh, important to kind of state, and I think uh, I had someone on that was speaking about the situation that I thought was interesting was. I think Elon has been kind of ruining his own case here with the bots. Um, a lot of what his tweets kind of iterate and of course this is going to be a battle between the lawyers is that the bot situation was kind of known before he even went into the deal for sure and if was. they can bet if they can go ahead and show that elon kind of knew that there was some bot situations with twitter before he he went and got that offer out there then why is he going to battle now that oh there's too many bots well, I mean, they said it in the deal he signed. Yeah, I mean, it was so. mentioned in there that their analysis, their their numbers, you know, of the bot estimates could be wrong. They estimated at five percent, but they said it could be wrong. It's in the deal he signed. Yeah, he's. He, I don't he know how he gets out of this. He signed his life away when he signed. I don't know how he gets out of this. He ain't I mean, getting out of it very easy. I yeah. mean, maybe that maybe there's going to be a, a you know a little bit of a lower reduction of price or something from a settlement just for the <laughs> risk, but. You, 
I, know, I think he's not getting out of this deal. I, I need to look this up. I want to know if Vegas has any lines on this. <laughs> oh, there's lines on everything. There's always lines. I, I know, Guaranteed I know. That's why I want to check lines. it out, Dennis. I want to check it out. I want. I'll, I'm gonna, I'll find match. out. I'll do a little research for us. Let's go to Zoom now sure. as we got some earnings stock to talk about. This is one that I was already pointing towards the downside. As I, I just feel at the end of the day. You know, Zoom is one of these situations where the story was really good in the pandemic because everything was in their kind of what they needed, right? They needed people to not be able to communicate in person. And that gave them such a big lift. But in my eyes, in a time when we have high inflation and when companies are cutting costs, this seems like to me the very simple cost to cut and look for a free alternative, right? Um, but let's talk about Zoom video communications here and their earnings. EPS coming in at $1.05, beating the 93 cent estimate sales at 1.1 billion, missing the 1.12 uh, billion estimate, lowering the guidance for Q3 2023 revenue, now on the low end of 1.09 billion and 1.1 billion versus a 1.15 billion estimate, so lower than the uh, than the high end there. And then they see full year 23 revenue at 4.38 billion, a high end of 4.39 versus the 4.54 billion estimate there for full year 23. So lowering that guidance, their net income fell to 45.7 million in the quarter from 316.9 million in a year ago in the quarter. So uh, revenue growth slowed to 8%. And one thing to note, enterprise customers delivered 54% of the total revenue for Zoom. This again, we talked about this ahead of the numbers. It's competition, competition, competition. Their earnings are probably, you know, not, it's not even a matter of growing earnings. Are they going down? I mean, I see it in my email. I get this email because I, you know, have a Zoom account, but I have the free one. Upgrade, you know, 40% off, <laughs> last chance. You know, the last next week chance. is a 50% off one, last chance. When you have to <laughs> massively discount your product in order to sell it, it's not a good investment. And that's where I look at when I start seeing all those massive, and this has been going on for a while. That's why Zoom has been a sell. So this is a value trap. People look at this thing and say, oh, it's trading 20 or 25 times earnings or whatever was trading. Um, you know, at, at a certain point in time, but if earnings start going down, it's going to look even more, it's going to look actually expensive. So I think this is a value trap. It's getting beat up. There's support at $80 here today. We have a little bit of the buy the dip mentality going on. So it wouldn't surprise me if they come in, um, you know, especially if it got down to the lower eighties, I think there's great support down there from a technical basis, but just competition coming for this company. They need another product. They need another revenue source. Um, and I'm not sure it's just not a one trick pony. Yeah, and um, I, that's why I wanted to state there that the enterprise customer delivering 54% of their revenues with so many companies looking to cut costs. And there's free alternatives. Let's just be honest. I mean, whether you're using Google Meet, whether you're using Skype. So I mean, there's, many. Mitch. There's so many there. So many. And, and so in my eyes, if I was looking to cut costs as an executive and I'm looking at the Zoom costs and I can go to a free alternative, that, yeah, might have some issues, might not have all the features that Zoom has, but it's free. I don't know. I think that's the first thing that I'd be looking to cut versus cutting maybe some employees or that kind of thing that we've been seeing. So it's just interesting to note. I think Zoom yeah. is – I think it could go – honestly, I mean, look at the daily chart here really quickly. I'm going to make it big. Look where we're at. We're back down here towards 2020 numbers. We could eventually cut through the IPO low. And the IPO that, that there is 6032. The I think it beats that. I think you it think cuts about that. this growth that this thing had. Could you imagine that it cuts down? What what's the low 6202? It's Holy. uh could you 60... imagine maybe all-time lows after being five hundred and eighty-eight dollars a share? It shows how crazy that market got back at the end of twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean look at that move. Look just at that valuation, move. people were just nuts. Honestly, so, people were just, you know, the FOMO run rampant. It made people not even think. And to buy those stocks at that, the person who's buying this at $500 a share, they're never getting their money back. Yeah. You know? I, I and, mean, and, and this is what, you know, people will hold on until they get their money back. It's called loss aversion, right from behavioral finance. Um, you, you pick up your CFA book. You can read about it. 
Um, but this is, you know, what, you know, the majority of people suffer from its natural human tendency to not want to take a loss. And, you know, the reason that I'm successful in this business for 22 years, isn't that I'm good at calling stocks. It's not that I'm good at, you know, like, oh, I have a magic ball and I can just get a feel for it. You know what? Why I'm, I'm been successful for 22 years in this business and profitable every single year. It's because I have the discipline to say I'm wrong and I take those losses. And what I'm in essence doing is taking the opposite side of everybody else who refuses to take the loss and they let those losers come in and dominate their portfolio. And that's what eventually happens. You hold on to your losers. If you absolutely refuse to take a loss, you inevitably end up with a portfolio of losers because you can't be right 100% of the time. So, I mean, this is, you know, where we suffer in stocks like this. And you can see so many stocks down 80, 90% from the highs. People have bought these things so much higher, they will not sell, Mitch. They will not sell. They'll take these to the grave with them. They'll say, eventually, I'll get my money back. And you know what? In some cases, they will. But in many cases, they won't, too. And I'm betting in this one, they don't. And what scares me is, of course, this is the second top holding in ARKK. So, you guys that like those, that... ARKK and you like Kathy Wood there. Um, that's 8.43% of the ARKK. So I, I think this is definitely one that I don't see the turnaround coming anytime soon. Um, we'll see what happens. Let's keep going. Let's get out of Zoom. Let's go towards the next sure. earnings stock. Sure. Let's go to Palo Alto. This is yeah. a lot better of a report here. Um, let's talk about their earnings here. Uh, EPS at $2.39, beating the $2.28 estimate. Sales at $1.55 billion, beating the $1.54 billion estimate. Raising guidance here, sees full year 23 adjusted EPS at $9.40 on the low end, $9.50 on the high end, and sales at $6.85 billion to $6.9 billion on the high end. Versus the 6.74 billion estimates, so even the low end higher than that estimate, also got the board to authorize a three-for-one stock split. Um, there's a bunch of raises also in analysts. If you want to check this out, I'm not going to go through all of them. I'll just give one of the major ones here. Piper Sandler maintains overweight on Palo Alto Network and raises the price target to 6.90. Great company. It's in the right space. Cybersecurity is absolutely going to be a growth industry in the world here for a long, long time. Um, you know, it's a good company. Valuation is always a little bit nosebleed, which is why I stay away from it. But, you know, you could see a scenario where it would grow into this valuation. I can't buy any stock up 50 points. I'm not going to chase a stock up 10% just because I had a good report. Because, you know, they have great reports and they stick up there for a few days and then eventually they start to leak. We're just mm -hmm. not in this market environment. We don't see a lot of gap and goes, even to Disney. I mean, yet Disney is like, oh, yeah, there's going to be the gap and go. And it's holding up, holding up, holding up for three, four days after. And in four days, boom, 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 boom. And now you're looking at, oh, my goodness, is it going to fill that gap five days later? So, you know, not the Palo Alto Networks is Disney. We're just saying Disney was pretty good quarter, too. Held mm -hmm. on for a few days. PANW might do the same thing. Hold up for a few days. I think eventually it starts to leak. I think you get another shot. So I don't think you need to chase. Yeah, I think you're definitely getting on up there to some resistance. Also, uh, I can see here, I could look for 570 eventually to play as major resistance, but this has just moved too far. And on a lot of stocks in this environment, they've moved too far. What ends up happening? A lot of moves like you saw, Dennis just mentioned, where Disney gives that nice gap up, but now it's looking like it's coming back for that gap fill. Doesn't mean that it's going to come all the way down, right? It could come back after a gap fill. But if it's going to be pushing on up like the way it is right now, I'd be looking for a pullback. And some of those levels that I would look for is a pullback back towards the resistance of prior, which is 530. If it could pull back into that 530 area, that's where I would be looking for at least a, a buyback opportunity. We'll see what happens there in Pan W. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get towards one more. I'll be able to sneak one in here. Let's get JD.com. Let's let's do that one right quick. As uh, you know, the, the eyes have been on these Chinese stocks to see what yeah. happened. Uh, but right now, I, I just don't think it's the time. But let's talk about their EPS. EPS at 61 cents, beating the 40 cent estimate. Sales at 40.0 billion, beating the 38.63 billion estimate. Uh, doesn't look too bad here for companies always beat least. earnings yeah they always yeah. beat earnings 
because they don't have gap accounting. And obviously, you know, that's saying something here, but I don't trust any numbers on any companies coming from China. So I just hit. don't trust it. Different accounting procedures. They always seem to be no matter what. Um, it's getting a little pop here, but you can't take these numbers and say and look at like if it had U.S. gap accounting and it's it's different. So you're getting a pop up. JD has been one of the best stocks. I would say that it's held up better than a lot of the other ones. You think about where Alibaba is, you know, compared to the all time highs and you look at JD, you know, it's off from the all time highs, but it's held up somewhat better. Again, I'm not investing any Chinese stocks right now because I don't know what they're going to do. I think the Taiwan situation escalates eventually. And I think U.S. investors punish the year, the Chinese stocks because of that. I absolutely want to stay far away from investing in yeah. any Chinese stocks. I, I, I kind of agree with you. For a little while there, I was looking at Baba starting to come up. The news was getting a little bit better. But as soon as the China and Taiwan situation came more in the scary. limelight, it's too scary for me. Yes. Not an opportunity that I want to get caught in. And like always, there's always kind of opportunity risk when you're going into something that has political pressures like this, one catalyst, next thing you know, you're getting beat on the position, even though you could be in a good stock. Like, I mean, that that earnings report doesn't look too bad for JD, but that doesn't mean enough. You always got to know the environment around the stock. And I think in this environment, not something that I want to be going after, but you start guys top down approach. Decisions. Start top down approach. I mean, this is how I do, you know, my investing. Not so much my trading, but somewhat my trading sometimes. But more, look at the situation, overall market situation. Look at the overall, and then you know, build it from there. Right now, as soon as you know, you talk China stocks. I think Taiwan, and I'm out. So I don't even have to go <laughs> in to read and bother with the details of the JD.com report. Exactly. You know, maybe I'm going to miss a run here. Maybe they're not going to invade Taiwan. Maybe they're going to go back to business as usual, but I don't think so. So that keeps me out. So just my opinion, my opinion will keep me out of all Chinese names right now. All right, let's go towards our guest today. I think he's ready. Let's go ahead. Let's bring on Sean Emery here. Uh, we're going to go towards it. There he is. <laughs> Sean Emery, founder and CIO of Avery and Company. Welcome to the show. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's going on? Welcome, guys, or, or thanks for having me on. I'm of so course, used to having my own little back. podcast, and I say welcome, uh, first thing I can say. Uh, I can't welcome blame is you. good. <laughs> yeah, you, Sean, you're welcoming you? our audience, right? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. All right, so let's, let's take a on. look. At the go overall ahead, market, we'll let Mitch run with this for a second. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go with the first one here. Let's take a look at the overall market. How are you feeling the sentiment as we've seen this rally start pulling back? Do you feel more in the buy the pullback mentality, or do you worried about those June lows? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm a <laughs> ironically a big buyer, you know, throughout this whole journey over the last several months, and even over the last kind of start of the year. Um, the belief for us is really around, you know, it starts kind of with the supply chain, ends with the Fed and, and what they're going to do. Uh, in between that is kind of dynamics around inflation. And, you know, in, in alternative data or real-time data, you, you are seeing some of the inflationary pressures kind of subside, whether it's things like appliances, used cars, uh, wholesale inventories. Um, a lot of signals that suggest that, that, that it will subside. Supply chain freight costs are down 69% year over year. We, obviously, we've seen gas prices um recently and how that ultimately feeds to the narrative and or the decision making by the fed um and for us again it's just stepping back and trying to look through the noise uh, again just given our time horizons um and on top of that again that's more like the the macro environment on top of that is really the valuation environment where uh i think depending on where we see fed funds rate land uh, and compared to, to like 2018, 2019 levels, it's not going to be that far if you actually think uh, inflation is subsiding uh, in terms of where Fed funds rate was then versus now, where earnings are today versus then, where valuations are versus then. We think the small mid cap space is highly interesting uh, in many different aspects, both at the kind of micro level, but even at, from like a top down valuation level as well. So, you know, we're constructive. 
Um, we've seen a lot of breath thrust here for the technical uh, guys and and over the last several weeks, and we think that's going to continue to build up over the next kind of throughout year end. So that, that's kind of our view of where we are today versus where we think we're going. Sean, what stocks are you looking at specifically? Let's bring it down, you know, to the specifics. And obviously, we've had a pretty good run. We pulled back here in the last week here. What specific stocks or sectors are you looking at? Yeah, so I mean, the things that have been hit the hardest, right, um, are probably what you, you, you in theory, right, uh, want to start looking at. And it's really around consumer, right? Anything consumer oriented with yeah. the fears of recession have been hit hard. We've talked about it, but Capri Holdings is a company that we continue to to appreciate. Yeah. It has that, that luxury uh, kind of uh, sustainability to it uh, and the cheapness that we look for in a, in a business. Um, in addition, you know, you have other areas which are, are technology areas that have hit, been hit pretty hard that we also um, want to look at. And, you know, even t- this morning, you're seeing something like a Zoom uh, get hit pretty hard. Uh, yet, you know, if you look at the core elements of what Zoom does, it's, it's generating significant cash flow. The enterprise business continues to blossom. Uh, they, they announced 4 million new user or phone uh, users on the platform. So it's much more than a meetings product um, and probably had one of the more difficult comps out there uh, in the world, right? So they grew 300% year over year for three straight quarters about a year ago. Uh, and they, they comped on top of that. And currency, that's kind of been our bigger, our two big um, concepts this earnings season is, you know, you have... Uh, comps and, and and currency as as big detractors and or just big hurdles to, to jump over. And a lot of that is, has been jumped over by many companies. Um, so that's encouraging as well. So those are two that I think are interesting. You know, there's the fibers of the world, which is the marketplace for freelancers. We think every down cycle you have in terms of like recessionary fears, that leads to more demand for freelance or gig economy work. Just simply that new business formation is created uh, and Generally speaking, they they can if there's a marketplace out there to get a talent on a kind of sublease basis, uh, it's the cheapest way to go. Uh, and those those marketplaces tend to thrive um, post kind of any sort of economic weakness out there. All right. Well, one of the stocks that I definitely was watching uh, is Zoom. And I'm wondering, you know, you just mentioned some really good comparable sales there uh, and it definitely beat on some areas. Now, the only thing that I would be a little bit concerned is the customer growth less than 3%. Um, Do you feel that their kind of market is saturated there throughout the pandemic? Um, yeah, so I think the good thing about the pandemic for Zoom is we understand how big their market can be. <laughs> I think that's like the, the biggest takeaway is is how much uh, demand you could see and what that could look like. Um, now, I do think uh, what your kind of the narrative is still around the, the meetings product, and that that's key and that's important, and that's ultimately where this company lands its um, its brand. Uh, and but I think and what you're seeing by just simply data is that. Look, 10% of their business now is, is outside of meetings. Their enterprise business is growing 27%. So enterprise is simply going to be bigger than a small business that is coming on the platform. Um, and that's growing roughly like 20, 27% uh, and thriving. You know, they, they talked about some of the big uh, deals that they had in that space, uh, specifically around Zoom phone, where two companies uh, uh, basically announced 125,000 seats across their uh, organization of Zoom phone seats. We think the importance of that is it ultimately creates stickiness to this to the platform. And to be a to be constructive on Zoom, you have to believe that this is going to be more than a meetings product and uh, a platform of communication, voice, audio, chat, and even beyond that. Um, and so, Zoom phone uh, attach rates are strong. So the growth isn't necessarily new customers; it's more around attach rates of some of these new uh, ancillary services that they continue to launch. And again, Zoom phone is three years old, 4 million seats. It's one of the fastest growing voiceover kind of cloud-based uh, phone systems that are out there. It creates a, a ton of stickiness in the product. Uh, the, the brand or logos that they have announced so far have been strong. Uh, they also announced Zoom Contact Center, which is kind of the third, fourth product that they have here. And they've already landed Optiv, uh, which is a large uh, kind of like cyber uh, company. And that's like four months old. Um of a product. So to land that type of logo, I think is, is critical. 
So the, the story narrative has to simply be you have to believe in the product evolution as it, as it continues to build out. There's no reason not to believe that because, uh, again, enterprise continues to grow. The retention there is plus 120 uh, net yeah. revenue retention rates, and, and they're launching new products where the uptake has been strong. So it's hard to, um, it's hard to deny any of that fact. I think they're doing it right. I mean, they're trying to get away from their core product and that's what they need to do is not be the one trick pony. And if they see, you know, if you start seeing some of these other products really start to become, you know, decent revenue sources, you know, then all of a sudden the value trap that it's been maybe doesn't, you know, and maybe maybe they can get up past that. You know, I just worry about just competition. That's been my scare, you know, for, for Zoom for a long time is I just see so many other you know products out there and options for users to use now where you know before it kind of like zoom became the verb and now it's like oh well it's not you know as uh you know it's 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 not you know the, the core that everybody needs to go to they've got so many other options here now so does competition scare you well i think teams as a, com- a competitor is the biggest threat because uh, they're the one that only ultimately has a platform, especially today. Look, everyone wants to be on a platform. That's the reality. Yeah. Everyone wants that single product that does everything for them. It's hard to actually do that, which is why there's so many point products out there in all the spaces. Um, and I think, you know, there's this fear of, of, of teams, but the reality is it's not everyone's a Teams user. Not everyone's a Microsoft user. Um, and there's a whole other environment that, that people use. Um, look, developers love Slack. They hate Teams. Developers, if they're using Slack, then they're attaching to Zoom. Uh, that's data out of like the Salesforce uh, survey that they did uh, recently. Um, and what you see as well is just simply that, you know, they're building this platform that companies are attaching to. So I'm not that worried about non-teams um, co- competitive threats. Uh, it's it's more uh, teams. But I think the, the most important thing around Microsoft is they just raised the prices on their E5 license which ultimately is what all the enterprise businesses are using across their organization. And the uptake on that was, was big. When Microsoft is raising prices, that sets the standard for the rest of the industry in terms of price. So if, if Microsoft's not trying to win on price, then what are they trying to win on? It's product and, and Zoom and kind of that Slack uh, combo um, is, is an interesting combination. Again, so I think they're doing well on competition. It was natural that they were going to lose to teams in, in different aspects. Uh, but not in like uh, sort of way that it, I think uh, uh, totally transforms the market share dynamics that's happening out there. Sean, let's move over to the chips. We're going to hear from NVIDIA here on Wednesday. Marvell's going to report on Thursday. Um, obviously, you know, we can talk Intel too, which has come off so much. I mean, like Intel making new lows again here. I just look at this and think, holy man, this was the biggest value trap of them all. You talk about, you know, Zoom, but I mean, this thing just continues to go lower here. You know, chips act gets passed. Doesn't matter. Intel still going lower here. What are your thoughts on the chips? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, look, it's it's very cyclical uh, space. Uh, it's hard to understand in many cases. You know, what is truly driving the data center demand? Was it all the crypto stuff that was going on out there? Um, and and you know, Nvidia does a nice job of trying to uh, uh, segment some of that out. Um, and you know, if the demand for data centers uh, continues to thrive which you do hear that from the Dells and the HPEs of the world, uh, pure storage and, and, and the likes, um, then the demand for, in theory, you know, the chips is going to be strong. We heard Cisco recently, which again is in a slightly different space, but yeah. just talking about the bottlenecks in supply chain. But I think what you're seeing is the supply chain easing is probably due to the fact that, you know, things for, or demand for like PCs uh, continue to come down. Right. Um, so look, d- data center is a big long-term, you know, uh, a mega trend that continues. It is the tailwind for all of these AI, you know, if depending on where we get in terms of uh, electric vehicles and and kind of the computing power required for these vehicles, I think that's another demand driver. Gaming is slowing. Uh, you're seeing that in like Twitch uh, data that's out there. Uh, that's just the demand signal, uh, just for for gaming in general. Um, and it's not slowing to where it's like, again, rolling over and going negative. It's just plateauing, right? Uh, in terms of the demand, everyone's getting back to, you know, some form of, uh, normal, I guess, uh, whatever we want to call that. But, um, so for, for the chip space, you know, the only thing there is again, valuations are getting more interesting, but at the same time, you're at the, that hump in the cycle that maybe you don't want to get in front of. So that's that kind of like, uh, that, that window that investors don't like to play in where 
uh, demand in the near term is uncertain, but valuation is getting attractive. And kind of what you were saying, this value trap area, long term, I think, look, chips are going to be in demand because everything I just talked about are, are mega trends. Um, it's, it's really around valuation and where you want to play the cycle. Now, you just mentioned about gaming and demand kind of coming to a to an ease, let's say, not really coming down. But how do you feel about Meta as they keep trying to transform themselves from Facebook? Well, I'm a, I'm a believer in Meta. Um, I think they're, look, their core business is healthy. Uh, they, they're, for some, how, some reason, they continue to add users. Uh, we track different data, which shows like um, uh, power users on the platforms, and those continue to grow. It's, it's those that are regularly checking on a consistently uh, basis. You have... Um, WhatsApp and some of the new form factors for uh, their ads business, whether it's like uh, direct to, to message, which is a pretty interesting con uh, con connection between their core product of like Facebook, Facebook Blue or Instagram and their WhatsApp product. Um, it's a really interesting uh, product for advertisers because it, it really is simply a, uh, uh, a way to show real conversion. I mean, I've used it personally where I've messaged, I, I've got sent to my WhatsApp to talk to a business. Uh, here in Miami. And and it was interesting. It, it made a lot of sense for me. And that's a high value add for everyone involved in that, I guess, in theory, transaction. Now, talking about gaming, going to like the metaverse, which is the big uh, core kind of concept there at meta, you know, I think there's this misconception that the metaverse is like this weird, crazy world where, you know, um, uh, you know you're in some sci-fi something. And there's some truth to that. Uh, but the, I think that's the, that's like part one of like a part 10 journey of what's happening here. I think, you know, to have these headsets, number one, the computing power required to, to, to have these headsets is enormous, which puts the company that is ultimately leading it, which is Meta, in a strategic advantage because, one, they're learning more. It's kind of like think of Tesla like yeah. whatever, 12 years ago uh, as they built the car from the ground up in a sense. Um, I think the second phase is really around commercial applications. And I think, uh, you know, if you're building a plane, instead of building it, uh, that prototype real or in plastic or any sort of physical space, I think doing so in a metaverse, a virtual world, uh, makes a lot of sense. And I think we, we think the form factor today, these big heavy headsets are going to be what's going to be here in 10 years. And that's just not the reality. So as, as a company like Meta builds out the ecosystem, both from a computing standpoint, so things we're not actually seeing, um, all the way up to the use cases in the real world on the commercial side, and then the form factor shrinks. Um, I think that's ultimately what this comes down to is a computing platform where the screens we're on right now, mm -hmm. um, maybe we're talking to each other in a different way. And again, not in a virtual world, but my screen that I'm looking at right now doesn't necessarily need to be there. Yeah, uh, I wonder how you feel about Project Cambria. Um, do you feel well, we'll that's see. going to be a success? We'll see. I think it'll be a an evolution uh, of what they have today. So I think yeah. people want to see a smaller form factor. People want to mm -hmm. go into hybrid worlds, right, where I could sit here and look at a screen, but at the same time hit a little toggle button and then and then be in like the real world. Um, so that it's a, it's an important step, I think, into what the future is and should look like um, with some of this technology. We know it's coming out soon, so we'll see. Uh, we had MetaSpark, uh, the, like the leading instructor on MetaSpark we, we spoke with, and he was full go on, on Cambria. Uh, side note, he talked about Apple. He said he's, he's put on every Apple, any, anytime he's ever seen an Apple uh, headset on, it's burnt up. Um, so they're, they're having troubles there launching. Uh, and then he talked about Microsoft, where you know the Microsoft VR platform is struggling. Um, and there's a rumor that they may shut down part of those those businesses. So we'll see. We'll see how they develop. Thank you for coming on today. Sean Emery, founder and CIO of Avery and Company. And we'll have you back on, Sean. Appreciate it. Awesome, you. guys. Have Thanks, a good Sean. rest of the day. All right. That's going to do it for our guest today. But let's go ahead. Let's start wrapping on up. We still got some other earnings stocks we can get into. Let's go to Macy's. Macy's is definitely one that's going to be watched. It was coming down yeah. fast yesterday. It popped a little bit off of the number here. Let's take a look at Starting their leak, EPS bro. here. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a battle right now in the pre-market. But let's take a look at their numbers here. Macy's EPS coming in at a dollar, beating the eighty-five cent estimate. Sales at five point six billion, beating the five point four nine billion estimate. Macy's lowering their guidance from uh, 
their adjusted EPS at $4.53 and $4.95 on the high end to a low end of $4 and a high end of $4.20. They also lowered the sales guidance and they brought it from uh, $24.46 billion to $24.7 billion. Um, And the guidance was also brought now down to 24.34 on the low end, 24.58 billion on the high end. So a little bit of mix there from the lowering of the sales guidance because the high end still showing a little bit better there, but definitely the EPS there uh, lower, significantly lower. We'll see what happens with Macy's after dropping pretty, pretty significantly in the last couple of days. This is interesting. The retail story here, it's been a battle back and forth. You know, part of you thinks like, wow, that stock's still making four bucks a share. It's trading at 19. This is trading like four times earnings, you know, like four or five times earnings. You think, how can you go wrong? But it's just been, that's what they were saying 10 bucks ago when it was $28 a share. They're like, oh, it's making four or five bucks. The thing's trading six times earnings. How can you go wrong? And then it goes down to a P of five or maybe even a P of four, or P of three. I don't totally understand why they give it zero love a lot of these retailers are the same story maybe these earnings are cyclical maybe it's like we're getting back out there and people are going out and buying clothes because they're back in public and that's going to you know go away here eventually so they had the reopening boom and you know that's maybe why they got to start bringing the earnings guidance down a little bit too but man these things look like there's a hell of a lot of value there it doesn't feel like a value trap like a zoom but it's been a value trap intel macy's zoom the value stocks, some of these really low multiple stocks have just continued to go down. All right, let's go to the last one. I want to get it in here, and then we'll do a quick little ticker time. If you guys can throw some tickers in, I'll make sure to grab one after we get through Dick's Sporting Goods earnings here. Q2 EPS at $3.68, beating the $3.57 estimate. Sales at $3.1 billion, beating the $3.07 billion estimate. Raising guidance full year 22 adjusted EPS to $10 uh, in the high end to $12 versus $10.87 estimate. New, new high on the move, at least trying to make a new high here. Actually, I guess it hasn't. 113 because 115. I, 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 I have trouble jumping on this one too for the simple reason I think they sell a lot of toys and they sell a lot of other stuff too. Dick's a pretty good store. I mean, they sell a lot of different things. But, you know, outdoors and it's had just a nice run. I mean, it's, you know, you go back to May, the stock was $63. You've up like 80% since then. So now you get a decent report. But what do you want? I mean, I think this is, you know, I think the next 10 points is not going to be easy. Next 20 points, not going to be easy. Now, I don't see this thing just going back to 125, 130, 140 all time highs. It's the same reason that I wouldn't buy the overall market when it's V bottom. I mean, this is trying to make a V bottom here. You're selling a stock near the high of the move. I think money manager is going to use that to take profits. It's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, I, I remember Foot Locker uh, got such a lift off of their kind of CEO. This one's up there towards one. It's leaking too, though. This yeah. is what we were talking about. Exactly. Killer quarter. Foot Locker, the gap up. It's like, yeah, it's back. It's back. Well, look, you know, it's. Look at that gap it's trying to fill. They don't so, hold. Yeah, that's, that's the one thing that we've been pointing to. 2022 is the year that the upside gaps on earnings do not hold. There is some cases that they have, but in more cases than not, eventually they start to leak and eventually they give it back. So you're chasing stocks up, like even like Palo Alto Networks up 50 bucks. I think you look back, you know, from it. And again, it might go to 570, maybe 580. It just seems like eventually they start to leak and we look back and you will look at back this two months from now, it's back to 500 and it's like, why did I pay up? So I just see no reason, absolutely no reason to chase any stocks right now. Um, if you're looking for why Twitter is down, K, just rewind the tape. We already talked about that. That was the first kind of story we went it's into. It's the whistleblower. Whistleblower. The whistleblower. Elon Musk whistleblower. All right. Here's an interesting one by Ben uh, bringing an oil player here, Tell. Tell. Oh, is this a stock is... we haven't talked on the show in a long time, Tellurian. Kramer yeah. favorite. He loves this stock. Held up well. I mean, in the last few days, and you mm-hmm. start to look, you're like, oh, they get three tops here: four sixty nine, four seventy, four seventy two. Get up above four seventy five, and then you maybe make another run for five bucks. I don't think you're going to get rich on this stock here, but it's held up fairly well. Um, I I don't mind it. Above four seventy five gets more interesting though. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a bunch of these that kind of been moving. And I think you just kind of keep on watch some of these oil and gas players. I have been watching some of these stocks. We we take a, a lot of look at stocks like this on our live trading stream. Um, so if you want to check those types of stocks, I recommend you go ahead and check out our live trading stream. Um, but we'll look to see if this can get back above. You know, I think it has a nice daily level that it's trying to get through. Uh, multiple resistance in the same area. So kind of pay attention to if you can get above this first high area of 467, then you look to the left 470. And then you look to the left of that 472. So we're going to put above that 472. If it can get above that 472, maybe you can get some drive today and tell. For pullbacks, I would be looking closer towards 443s. And one thing to note that you can clearly see it here. Also, you're getting higher lows, higher lows. See if that can kind of continue the trend, not breaking through the lows here at the 437 level. I would like to see a little pullback, maybe a red to green, getting right back above 467 into the 475 area if you're a bull and tell. We'll see what happens there. Let's start wrapping on up. We're getting towards 9 o'clock here. What are we going to leave off with? Um, what are you going to watch for today in the markets? Dennis, Do you are you going to... Take a look to I see think, if you can get some bounce. I think you're going to get a little bit of follow through early morning, and then you could get the 10 a.m. turn. Okay. So maybe, you know, you get like, okay, well, we were lifting a little bit. Now people are like, oh, no, we're going down again. So we've sold off pretty substantially on S&P from 431. It's sold off 200 S&P points here in the better part of a week. So it's been, you know, just as much as we were overbought, we start to get, you know, to middle of the range here now. I think you got some support in that 409, 410 area. So I think you're going to bounce there. Um, I don't think this is a Katie bar the door. We're going straight down to 4,000 S and P here again. I think you got some support 409 to 410. So about 30 handles lower from here. If you're an S and P trader, I think I'd be starting to nibble. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, a 410, 408, somewhere there. I expect to find some support. That's that price range that we had, uh, between the July 29th and all the way until August 9th. So once we get into that price range, I think we could find some support. I think you find a mixed bag today. I think you could see some stocks up, some stocks down. So pay attention to some higher quality names. That's what I would be watching. The names that I would be careful for continued downside moves are more like the software names that have those high PE forward outlooks. Now, higher quality stocks, maybe like Apple may, might catch a little bit of a bounce there. Uh, reason why I think it's running into a daily level around here where I think it could get some bounce it tried to make a move back towards 170. Will that hold? I'm not sure, but I do think it could make a move up there towards the 170 today. Something that I'll be watching if it can fill some of that gap here that you can see on the chart. Will it fill some of that on the, you can see the gap right there on Apple, right above it. That's kind of the area where I could see it getting up to. Does it mean it's going to go to 175? That's not what I'm looking at. I'm just looking for a little bit of a gap fill. Could be a quick play. All right, let's go ahead. We're going to wrap on up here. Like always, definitely smash the thumbs on up if you guys enjoyed pre-market prep today. We definitely appreciate that. Dennis, have a great one. We'll Same have match. you back on tomorrow, like always. And now let's get you guys over to some live trading action. I do want to give you guys a little bit of insight, though. If you guys are fantasy sports fans, Ben Zinga is going to be actually joining one of the top fantasy sports mock drafts today so i want you guys to tune in on this i'm going to give you guys the link so that you guys can check this out this will be myself i will be competing against the fantasy pro team and so i want you guys to go ahead and check that out it's going to be really fun i just threw up the link it's going to be a live ppr draft at 5 p.m eastern let's see if i can beat the fantasy pro guys from, of course, none other than uh, Fantasy Pros. I mean, they're one of the best. If you guys haven't checked out their Mox Draft features, check it on out. They didn't sponsor me to do this, but I am going to be a part of their draft today. So I wanted to go ahead and let you guys know if you guys want to check out some fantasy football content, well, come on over, Money Mitch. I'll definitely be throwing up the link also on my Twitter. So if you guys want to follow me, check me out at MoneyMitchBZ. Now up next, let's go into some live trading action. Let's get you guys over to none other than Zunaid, Lord Ryan, and myself as we continue to be hot. I mean, I don't even want to talk about how it, it's been It's been pretty good two months lately. So let's go ahead. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it hot. Money, money, money. Got to always make it. That's what we're here for at the end of the day is to kind of continue pushing forward with our skills, learn all we can do. And of course, pre-market prep here to get you guys started on your trading day. Let's get you guys over to some live trading action.
Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.